Welcome to the Aging Gracefully Podcast. I'm Janae Anderson. And I'm Mary Thompson. Join us as we explore the myths, beliefs, and realities of aging to empower each of us to thrive on all levels every moment of our lives. Well, welcome, and we thank you for listening to today's podcast. You may have noticed from the title, Dirty Little Secrets of the Postmenopausal Woman, that we might be talking about some kinds of sexual content. So if you're a bit squeamish or if you have little ones around that you'd like to guard their ears, we suggest you maybe check it out when you can be alone or move on to a different podcast with a topic you'd be happier with. Mary, you have a 15-year-old boy. Yes. And I have a 14-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. We are both watching puberty happen right before our very eyes our sons we've discussed this and both our boys are just so into sex not that they're having it but that they're thinking about it and they are having it just like you know if you want a job done right you do it yourself kind of having it um and so i'm wondering do you remember feeling that way You know, I was thinking about that. I think you posed that question to me before, and not really. I was interested in sex more from a curiosity standpoint than a biological urge. Um, My friends were having sex, and so I was hearing about it. So I think curiosity and social status were my big motivators, not so much the physiological drive. So that's kind of a new and different thing for me. Yeah, it's different with boys, for sure. For me... I um, I remember being in my early 20s and sex becoming quite the obsession. Um, but I don't really feel that way anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you? Well, no. I, I would say I, I peaked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, certainly at the beginning of relationships, there might be more of a sex drive or more of an interest. Um, but it never really took the foreground. I've, I remember talking to people and they would talk about actors or celebrities or someone that they might feel attracted to and want to have sex with. And I would have to really think about that because I was much more attracted to people uh, through their mind, their intellect, through their personality, than their gender and by their sexual expression. So it was really an interesting thing for me to observe that there were some people, some women, more driven by sex, more driven by sexual interest and and passion. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting how... I don't know about you, but I tend to feel that we all should have a strong sex drive. I I guess that's the cultural influence. I mean, you certainly see it a lot in the media, read about it a lot, that sort of thing. But the truth is, we're all so different. And here at the postmenopausal stage, we're different again. Right. I mean, looking at, I mean, there are such things happening now as possibly pain when one has sex. I know certainly I went through that phase Mm -hmm. and wow, to quote a friend of mine who is single and um, she's 59, she said she's looking for a boyfriend with a very small penis. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's too funny. So what's our first dirty little secret? Is it vaginal dryness or is it loss of libido? Vaginal dryness and the pain that goes with it when you want to have sex. Yeah. Now, I think of this as a dirty little secret because, sure, I'd heard people say things about dryness, but they didn't say anything about 
dryness. They didn't talk about how in, uncomfortable and inconvenient this is. Say more. Like, how is that uncomfortable? Well, for some women, because I, well, first I should say that I have a practice that I talk to people in an Ayurvedic setting, which talks about their disease conditions and everything. And so postmenopausal women would often bring up the topic of vaginal dryness. And was there anything I could recommend? So I had the concept premenopausally that they were looking for a lubricant, that mm-hmm. they just had a little problem around sexual intercourse. And so if they just had a little lubricant, life would be fine. That is the attitude of the um, mainstream medical, for sure. You know, the, the pharmaceutical solution comes to the rescue. You use a water-based lubricant and everything is fine. Right. But when I finally went through menopause, which is now about nine years ago, I began to notice that walking was uncomfortable or that, you know, crossing my legs, it became that I was actually chafing tissue on tissue with that dryness was very, very deep. Oh, ouch. Yeah. I didn't have it to that extreme mm-hmm. um, when where I felt it was during in, intercourse. And mm-hmm. it was so painful for so long. We have finally worked through it. And we'll talk about that, of course. But... I was traumatized for probably a good couple years after that. I mean, I had to take sex really slowly, not because it hurt anymore, but because the memory of the pain was still so strongly there. Right. Because I think it's a surprise. We're used to, when we're younger, just the moment you think about sex or you get engaged in any kind of foreplay, everything takes care of itself and you don't have to worry about it. And I don't know, maybe we resent our bodies a little bit for changing in such a way that we have to now take care of them ahead of time and make sure that everything's fluidic. Yeah, resent and feel betrayed. Yeah. Yeah. And how can it do that to us? So what can we do about this? You know, are there things that women can do? Well, from an Ayurvedic standpoint, it's we want to build up the fluids of the body. And that doesn't just mean are we drinking enough water, but are we doing things that help that water stay in the body. And so this could be having enough oils. Fish oils help with the, with this as well. But just kind of looking at healthy fats that we have in our diet. I think we become fat averse. And so we may not have enough. And what the oil does is it holds the water in the body. Is our food really moist and oily? Mm. If we go to processed foods or fast foods or things, it doesn't offer, it might be fatty, but it's not really got that unctuousness that causes us to hold on to moisture. Right. And as we get older, one of the natural things that happens is we start to dry up more inside. Mm -hmm. And I hate to say this for all of you coffee drinkers and wine drinkers out there, but both coffee and alcohol are diuretics, meaning they make you pee, but that means they're pulling that water out of your body. So we have to make sure we're putting enough in to offset what we're spending. That's very sad. It is very, very sad for a lot of people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I usually recommend that people, before they have a cup of coffee in the morning, drink an equal amount of water and do it before you have the coffee. So you're not drinking coffee because you're thirsty, but because you want coffee. Because sometimes I think we confuse, if it's a liquid, it should be making us moist. But if it's a liquid that pulls water out of the body, then we're just going to have a net drying effect. And this can, it takes time though. I do have to mention this. It's not an instant fix because imagine that you're going to moisten the mouth before you moisten anything further down the body line. So it takes, you know, a good month or so of matching that coffee with water and taking a little bit more healthy fats with the diet to see a change. 
That makes a lot of sense. The body mm-hmm. adapts slowly. It's right. kind of like a plant that way. Mm-hmm. And even though you'll see an improvement, you may still want to reach out for some kind of lubricant during sex. Are there any particular lubricants you recommend? You know, I was thinking about that, and I went down to the, the, the drugstore and started looking at all the options that are out there. I tend to look for ones that have the fewest amount of ingredients and that have ingredients that I recognize. You know, it's like if it says it's a water-based lubricant that I look in, what, see what else it's got in it. And if there are ones that a seven-year-old could pronounce the name of, or if it's ones that I've heard about before, if I wanted to get really compulsive, I can go home and do research on each product and see what it's doing. But I like to trust. I find a brand name I trust, and I'll go with those. So I don't really have a specific one because I think everyone's going to have exposure to different ones. But I think looking and seeing that it's as natural as possible. I like the idea of simple, pronounceable ingredients. That mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So can I tell my secret? Oh, please do. Um, I went to an Ayurvedic specialist, and one of the issues I mentioned was indeed painful intercourse. And she made me up a combination of oils that I was to insert down there, mm-hmm. which I did every day after a shower. And um, her explanation, which fascinated me because you know I just didn't think that way, was that the tissues would absorb it and that it would be distributed throughout my body. It wouldn't just stay down in that one location, but everything would be moister from doing that on a mm-hmm. daily basis. And once I ran out of that oil, I just went to coconut oil, a very natural raw coconut oil, and it's been really good. It nice. took about six months mm-hmm. for things to feel moist enough that intercourse was no longer painful. But yeah. boy, I am I'm still applying it religiously every day. Yes. Good for you. So as look at that as a dirty little secret. It's one of the things that I mention quite often to women. Now, I don't mention it to young women, but women who are perimenopausal or getting close to menopause, just to be aware of it and to take precautions ahead of time because it's. Um, I just think that so many things are kept secret and then we're faced believing we're the only person experiencing it. I agree. And, you know, the, the more we can open the lines of communication about this, the more healing there is. And the, the more mm-hmm. the more we hear something and we go, oh, yeah, I've had that experience, the better we feel, the less mm-hmm. alone we feel. Right. You know, another secret is goes right along with this. And it's the loss of libido, this lacking sex drive where... It's almost as if, I don't know, a Roadrunner cartoon where the, the coyote's racing as fast as he can and then he's three steps over the cliff before he looks down and realizes there's no ground underneath him and he just falls. Oh, poor thing. <laughs> and I think of that for, for my own experience, which was, you know, just that sudden just drop in libido. It was like not of interest. So why does that happen, Mary? Well, you know, the way I understand it, the libido is driven a lot by estrogen levels. And estrogen fluctuates during the month when we're of menopause, when we're of menstrual years in that still a reproductive cycle. Yeah, we certainly notice that, don't we? When right. we're ovulating, oh boy, we are ready for a little sex. Right, because the body has this physiological urge to procreate. Yeah. And so now we've taken away the physiological urge. And if we're waiting for the body to knock on the door and say, it's time, it just doesn't happen. It may not knock. Right. And so... What I ask people, this is another thing that comes up quite often with menopausal women, is about what can I do about this loss of libido? 
And it really is just a hallmark of low estrogen. So one thing that Western scientists do, and maybe this is why they say there's no drop, because they do a lot of hormone replacement therapy. Mm. As long as you can keep the estrogen high, then you're going to have that drive. But there is another option. And that is to consider that we have the mind that can lead us into feeling aroused. I've heard it said that the woman's primary sexual uh, organ is right between her ears. (laughs) It makes sense because what I've challenged women to do is, you know, are they still engaged in projects? Do they still like working on things and creating things? And usually they say, yes, I've got a lot of projects. I'm really excited about the things I'm doing. It's just my sex life that's kind of tanked. And then it's the thing is, can you take on your sex life like one of your projects? And usually they look at me with this sparkle in their eye and say, I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah. I I want to mention that we will go into this much more deeply in our next podcast, which is Embracing the Change, Sex and Intimacy After Menopause. Right. But yeah, it's Mm -hmm. all tied in and it's all tied in with libido. Right. So you're right. It's like which comes first, the sex drive and the sex or the sex, which the sex drive kind of kicks in. Mm -hmm. I remember Dr. Laura giving some advice about women and sex. It's like, maybe you don't feel like having it. That's a pretty common experience for a lot of us. We're tired by the end of the day and the husband just doesn't seem to be that tired, the boyfriend or the partner. Uh, But um, if we can just start It's kind of like when you're so tired and you feel like you need to exercise, but you can just drag your tired old body into the gym and you walk in the door and suddenly it's like, oh, I could do this. I I find that the sexual act is very similar. If I can just, you know, get to that, the beginnings of intimacy and start to open up to it, then I'm in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the one thing is the caution is making sure you're not doing it against your will, but rather that you say, hmm, is this, am I in a loving relationship? Do I enjoy sex with my partner? Then why not give it a try? Why not start it out? The other thing is to think about what makes you feel like having sex. You know, is it when you've had a nice candlelit dinner and had an intimate conversation? You've spent time on a walk. I think it was Sting who said he's into a tantric practice. He said, and sex with his wife will last for five hours and usually includes dinner and a movie. <laughs> you know, I love just, it. Just the idea that the intimate, the intimacy is what you're going for. And the sex act is only a few minutes of the whole party. And to expand your idea of what that might mean. I love that how a dinner, a candlelight dinner is part of foreplay. I have a friend who absolutely loves Keith Urban. The singer just loves him. And so her husband, as part of the foreplay, will play a video of Keith Urban. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, you know, nothing has to be out of limits. Mm -hmm. It's fun to be creative with it. Right. And to let the body follow the mind in that way. Let the mind be open to it. Let the body follow. And you'll find that libido isn't that far behind. It's just that what we're not getting is the physical urgency where the body's saying must procreate now because we're beyond that. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of nice to be beyond that. Very nice. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's one just not having your period every month, but then there's this other, I think there's a wisdom that comes with this and a relaxation because there may also be a lot of that push towards sexuality drives you into social situations. I think that's true. And being postmenopausal, there's no worry about getting pregnant, which mm-hmm. for me makes sex all the sweeter. <laughs>
Okay, so, and then... What's our third dirty there secret? There is the metabolism shift. Oh, oh. The menopausal shifts that go on, and all of a sudden there's 15 extra pounds on the body. Yeah, and you're tired. And, right. Yeah. And even though you're interested in doing things, all your projects that you've got going on, there's a, a physical lethargy as the body just is trying to compensate for this lack of estrogen. Yeah. You know, I think in our reproductive years, we never think about it. Well, we think about it when we're premenstrual or we think about it when we're menstruating, but we don't think about what exactly is this estrogen doing in the background. We don't think about it. We take it for granted. Right. And it drives your metabolism. So a woman in her reproductive years can take in like 2,000 calories a day, whereas a postmenopausal woman, 1,500. You lost a whole meal. <laughs> that sucks. It totally sucks. And if you continue to eat that whole meal, you gain weight. Mm -hmm. And this is a big challenge for menopausal women. Yeah. And things shift. Like, I, I remember I used to really enjoy a big dinner. And um, when I was post-menopause, which is about eight, nine years ago, I'd crawl into bed and I wouldn't be able to sleep because that meal was just so heavy in my, mm -hmm. in my digestive organs. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, for me, it's been paying more attention and noticing what works now and what doesn't and being willing to let go of how it used to be and embracing how it is now. Right. For me, it was incorporating more movement. Is I, I teach and I spend a lot of time on my computer and it would not be uncommon. I had gotten a Fitbit a couple of years ago. It would not be uncommon at the end of the day to look down and see I'd walk maybe 1,200 steps. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, what do we do? We get out of bed, we go into the kitchen, we sit at the table, we go out to the car, we sit in the car, we walk from the car to the store, we walk around a little bit. You know, it takes a concerted effort to get out there and move. It does. I find it can, can be kind of difficult because there's a part of me that wants to be sitting at my computer and doing that or wants to not be moving around. Yeah, it definitely takes, as you say, it takes an effort. It's at first anyway, because I'm a regular exerciser and um, every now and then I lapse and then it takes that effort to get it going again. But once it's going, it has its own momentum. Mm -hmm. And if I miss a day, I feel it. And the next day I'm like, oh my God, I have to move today. You know, I, will re I recognize that when I get into a routine with it, I really struggle with inertia. You know, inertia is that idea that once you're in motion, you stay in motion. Mm -hmm. And once you stop, you stay stopped until something moves you. Yes, until a greater and, force kicks in. Right, and I find myself caught in that cycle a lot. Like I'll get into exercise patterns where, okay, today's the day, I'm working out, and I work out three days in a row, and I'm going with inertia, and then, you know, a month might go by, and then all of a sudden I just, you know, maybe it's a bad day, there's no time, I'm traveling, whatever, and then it stops, and then I stay stopped for way too long. Yeah, then we're in this downward spiral. Mm -hmm. And it's not only just the exercise, it's that we stop, we don't feel so as good about ourselves, and then we don't exercise, and then we don't feel so good, and we're tired, and then we don't exercise. And, and, and what do I do when I feel like that? Well, there's always ice cream. <laughs> you know, or the, chocolate. Or chocolate. There's something that's going to make me feel better. You right. know, it doesn't really make me feel better. But I think this is a vicious cycle with the with this drop in metabolism. I think so. Is that if I don't feel energetic because I don't have the the hormones internally to make me feel more energetic, then I don't exercise. And then I feel lethargic and physically lethargic. And I reach for comfort foods because I think they make me feel better. But they don't. They just make me heavier. Yeah. 
So how does all this tie into sex, a lower metabolism? I don't know that it ties into sex for me right here, but I think it's a dirty secret of menopause. (laughs) Well, (laughs) somebody kept it from me. It ties into sex. (laughs) We feel less physically attractive. Yeah. We feel heavier. We, yeah. Um, I mean, we're already facing the fact that we're older. And because this is a youth obsessed society, mm-hmm. it naturally, if you will, in quotes, makes us feel less attractive. Right. But then when we are gaining weight and that kind of thing, it all adds up. Because if you're not feeling pretty, you don't yeah. want to have sex. You don't mm-hmm. want that guy to see your body or that girl to see your body. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a good point. I was just thinking of it as, um, in terms of metabolism, you know, if you, you just don't feel like doing anything. Because there's the, the weight issue of it, but there's also the activity issue of it. Yeah. That when your metabolism's high, you want to move. The cells are kind of calling out for work. Yes. And so you feel that urgency to go do something. So there's a young woman living on our property, and she's out riding her bike every day or going for a run. And I just go, yeah, I remember doing that. (laughs) But now it's it's just harder to get motivation. And it's the same. You know, maybe it just ties back in with that loss of libido. It's the motivation. If I'm waiting for my body to tell me Mm -hmm. that it's time for me to do something, I might wait a long time. Yeah, and we go back to the um, maybe the most important metabolism shift is what happens between our ears Mm -hmm. the self-talk the motivation Mm -hmm. so what do we do well i think the first thing is look at our intake look at food intake and what are we taking in and make sure our foods are really vital that we're not getting a lot of wasted calories make sure it's it's good quality food and then we have to put it to work you know we have to do something routine i think is the biggest thing that's the that's the driving factor if i don't feel the physical urge to do it but i've created a routine then inertia might carry me through to it it's true isn't it yeah having having it as a set part of your life mm-hmm. is just i mean we're creatures of habit may yeah. as well take advantage of it mm-hmm. and i it's more of i as i have to confess that I, a bit of this is i'm saying it out loud so i can hear it myself because I need, to get, I need to get moving. <laughs> and I have found recently bringing in some um, routines into my life. Now I feel like my day's not complete if I haven't done it. Mm-hmm. But exercise is still a biggie for me. I still have to make time for that and actually go do that. Mm-hmm. I also want to honor the, um, the fact that we probably need more rest than we used to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I myself love taking an afternoon nap. I don't always do it. Sometimes I have to pull an all-dayer. but I do love a 20 or 30 minute nap it revivifies me it's it's just a day changer right so honoring yourself recognizing these dirty secrets and saying okay so what do I do I don't want to go back and recreate my youth I want to be able to be healthy and vital in this moment and I find the answer typically comes in our diet and lifestyle Mm-hmm. Now, Mary, you're a calorie counter. Yes. I am not a calorie counter. I like to look at food in the yogic perspective, which is the more prana it has in it, the better. And I know you look mm-hmm. at it that way too, but I just want to explain it a little bit. Prana being life force, energy. So you go and you get a package of macaroni and cheese from the store. How much prana is in that compared to going out to your garden and picking some broccoli and steaming it? 
you know, obviously one has a lot more life force than the other. So for me, rather than calorie counting, I go for the life force quotient. Mm-hmm. And just because I have to say that she's comparing about 150 calories to about 40 calories. <laughs> There's that too, I suppose. I mean, so, that's, and that's I mean, one of the benefits. Right. Well, it's like the 150 calories from the mac and cheese is going to be heavier, harder to digest with a weakened digestive system. And then maybe 40 calories from broccoli is going to give you a lot more vitamins, minerals, nutrients. Vitality. And vitality and prana, that life force energy in the food. Yeah. And I think a practice, I mean, here's the yoga teacher coming through, Mm -hmm. but a practice of gentle stretching, um, gentle yoga at this phase in our lives is so great on so many levels. Mm -hmm. Just getting that prana moving, which affects our libido, which affects our metabolism, um, affects our attitude. It it all ties in. Everything is connected to everything else. Mm -hmm. Then the last thing I'd like to say is recognizing these as dirty little secrets. You're not alone. You're not the only person experiencing vaginal dryness who's had that shift in libido and who's had a drop in metabolism. You are so not alone. So welcome. We welcome you. And we would love to hear if there's a dirty little secret that we are not discussing. Go to our website, click on contact us and let us know what it is you're experiencing. Yeah, we love digging in the dirt. So please, please, please let us know. Well, thank you, Mary. This has been very enlightening. Yeah, thank you, Janae. We look forward to seeing you next time when we will be discussing... See, let's get the title right. Embracing the change, sex and intimacy after menopause. See you then.